Welcome to God's Love Language, a podcast designed for Christian discipleship, with emphasis on developing our relationship and fellowship with God. Now, here is our host, Joe Enloe. Aha! You thought I forgot the music, didn't you? Well, I didn't. I wanted to do something different, because God's doing something different today in this world. People are experiencing anxiety and depression like it's never been. But hang in there, folks. Remember, God is in charge. Nothing happens without His permission, without His blessing. I pray for you to stand fast and stand strong. We will prevail in the end. Thank you. Greetings. Welcome back to God's Love Language with Joe Winlow. I am your host, Joe Inlow, and I am honored that you have taken some of your valuable time to listen to our podcast today. I am aware that you have many choices for your listening pleasure, but I don't believe you will regret listening to us. Remember, we never ask you for money. God provides resources for all my podcasts. We have no commercials. And if you email us, we will never add to add you to an email list without your permission. Let me begin today's episode by saying a quick hello to my listeners in my adopted hometown of San Antonio, Texas. I have been here since 1986, and six of my seven boys and 12 of my 20 grandchildren live here also. It's a great city with great weather, except for July through through September, where it gets pretty hot. And as you would expect, many of my listeners live here in San Antonio, so Hola, San Antonio, military town, USA, and home to many great churches. Okay, God's Love Language with Joe and Lois, a discipleship podcast with emphasis on the Word of God and how the truth in the Word can be corroborated by the sciences. That is what makes us different from most of the other Christian podcasts. Truth is truth. The sciences, when done correctly, prove the truth. Of God. In John 8 31, it says, So Jesus was now saying to the Judeans who had previously believed in him, because they are Christian, they were Christian, if you make your home or you abide in my word, then you are really my disciples. And so you will come to know the truth, and this truth will set you free. Jesus is the truth. Abide in him, and you will defeat the sin nature and produce the fruit of the Spirit. We are at the conclusion of my series on the individual's relationship with God. It was the first relationship ever created between God and man, and it began with Adam and God. Of course, Adam was created perfect and without sin originally, but he eventually failed at his assignment, and now we must overcome the sin nature that we inherited from Adam and Eve's mistake. Consider that first relationship, if you will, the one between Adam and God. This relationship took place in chapter 2 of Genesis. Chapter 1 gave us an overview when God had created the universe, the world, and when he had created both sexes and then told them what to do. Chapter 2 kind of zooms in, gives us more detail about God's creation. It tells us that Adam had fellowship with God in the Garden of Eden, God's abode on earth, and Adam was placed in the garden to tend and keep it. That was in Genesis 2.15. 
God made it grow, but Adam had to tend it or cultivate it. The implication is that if the man cultivates it, then God will cause it to grow because life is from God. Cultivating it means to keep the conditions right so that it will have an optimum chance to flourish. That is a fact or principle of life. Left to themselves, gardens will overgrow and become unruly and chaotic. That's the same for most things on earth. God created mankind to do his part in God's world so that life continues and that there is order and predictability. This is also true in your life as a Christian. You must cultivate your life so that God will cause you to grow as a Christian. Then you will have an abundant life here on earth, produce fruit in abundance, and receive an abundant reward in heaven. It is important to recognize the order of events that happened in creation before proceeding. So it, it, it was God that desired to share his personality, which is love, to beings that have free will but still choose to worship him. In other words, you can do and believe like you want, but they, they would still worship him. Remember, without choice to love, it's not love. You can't drag your spouse kicking and screaming to the altar. That wouldn't be love. That would be coercion. Are kidnapping. He first created the heavenly hosts and angels, but some of them, even though they had seen God and knew he existed, knew the blessing that living in heaven had, but they, but they still chose to rebel anyway. That blows my mind when I think about that. That is interesting to me theologically. You know, the heavenly beings knew without a doubt that God existed. He was right there. They lived in heaven and saw him. But still some chose, using their free will, they chose to rebel. Then you have Adam and Eve who had daily interaction with God. They, they chose to rebel also because they wanted to be something better than what they were created to do. Then you had the nation of Israel who witnessed the miracles in Egypt that won them their freedom. Then they witnessed how God saved them in the desert countless times, as well as provided for them with miracles. And the entire generation of those over 20 years old, except for two, Caleb and Joshua, they rebelled and they also perished in the desert. Then you had the miracles that Jesus and the apostles performed, and many refused to believe. There is a principle at work here. Some unbelievers today say that if they can just witness a miracle, then they will believe. Well, according to the evidence, no, you will not. I believe that is why God let humans experience a life of sin and sin nature, so that we can say that we have been there and done that. And as for me, I will freely choose God and the blessings he offers. Rather than a moment in human history or self-gratification, because you know this is only brief time in history that we're here, but we're here for a reason. We're here to learn. We willfully choose not to put ourselves first. We come to the realization that it is not about us, but about glorifying the Lord, knowing that when it is all said and done, then we will receive the rewards God promises in eternity. Humility is gained when you come to this realization in life. Then and only then can you begin to try and be like the human Jesus. So God chose to create humans knew that they would be special and that they, that they would, by their own free will, never having seen him in person, no tangible evidence whatsoever, we would still choose to obey and worship him, at least the ones who are Christians. 
If you have a hard time grasping this idea, turn to the story of Job and see how Satan refused to believe that a human could or would still worship God, even though it seemed God had no longer existed for Job. Remember, he told God, well, if you take your way, your hedge of protection from him and your, your blessings, he won't, he'll curse you to your name. But Job did not do it. And that's what we all strive to be like, good, devout Christian like Job was, or a godly person like Job was. So, God created man, placed him on earth to accomplish the will of God there, a place that would someday be the home of the new earth and the new heaven, bringing back down to Jerusalem. You find that in Revelation. God put the plan in motion, taking the first step of creating humans. Now he had to let free will take its course. Will men obey and do the will of God? So why was man created by himself first, without Eve? There were principles that needed to be learned to be the head of, of a family, God's human family. Man had to first come to develop his relationship with God, to have fellowship and learn how to rely on God. Man must now initiate the action. Then God will bless the action if done according to his will. God set the ground rules, which were simpler and fewer because there was no sin nature at this point. The principle is that you, male or female, must nourish or cultivate and develop your relationship and fellowship with God so that you have a foundation in which to live right and as holy as a life as possible, to live for God's glory, to live for the advancement of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Man seemed to be doing fine. He had all he could eat. He had the fellowship with God and presumably answers to all his questions. But man was the only one of his kind on earth, what the Bible calls alone. This is not to be confused with the notion of being lonely. Being lonely stems from the consequences of the fall. First and foremost, it is based on our loneliness for God, our creator. And then we think the loneliness can be cured by having a relationship or many relationships, even poor ones. With fellow humans. If sinless Adam was lonely, then what does that have to say about our future, our future, our Christian relationships with God, or even our relationships here? Is God not enough? Of course He is. And one day He will change us and fulfill us completely. And this human sinful nature that causes us to be lonely will pass away. We will be surrounded by the Godhead and millions of other believers with our spiritual, sinless bodies. God had other plans for humans that Adam probably wasn't aware of at that time, to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That was in Genesis 1.28. But this time, alone with God, had lessons that Adam needed to learn. One that is applicable here as we prepare to move into the courtship and marriage relationship episodes is that God should always come first and that the answers to all challenges in life come from God and the experiences he put you through in your life. Psalm 19. By the way, anytime you read the Psalms or a Psalm, keep in mind that they are all written by, are written based on the author of that Psalm their experience. Even when God showed Adam all the animals to see if there was a partner for him, God was teaching Adam what a special creation he was and how all the different animals 
special as they were, did not offer up an equivalent and a comparable partner for him. Adam had divine knowledge that allowed him to name all the animals. That is a sign of dominance and authority to rule over them right there. He learned that in all creation, nothing matches his uniqueness. He learned enough to understand how special Eve was when she finally did come along. The point being this, God did not immediately make both male and female. He needed the one-on-one time with Adam first. But remember this, and I'll expound on it in my next series when we get to the couple. Eve was formed from Adam, not from an outside source. What she obtained from Adam had been given to him by God. She was flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. So she was also in relationship and fellowship with God, even before being formed as a separate entity. Now, that's deep. But more to come about that on that later when I get to the couple. How does, does this one-on-one training apply to me today? What are the reasons for all the episodes about the individual relationship with God? Simply this, God wants your best effort and desires. He wants you to seek him with all your might, all your strength, all your mind, all your spirit. Remember, he is a jealous God. There is nothing that should rate as a higher priority to you than your relationship and fellowship with God. See episodes 15 through 18 on relationship and fellowship. I talked about it there. This precept is wisdom from God and will determine your success or failure in life with all other relationships. No exceptions. You were created for a purpose, God's purpose. You are to become an instrument of God, hearing his voice, doing his will, and bringing glory to his name. Look at the life and mission of Jesus. He set the example. He was no exception to this rule. It is not about you. God gave you life. You must live it for him. Give it back to him. That's the only way you fulfill your appointment. Okay, so here you are. You are either a single individual that has never been married, a single individual having been married, but now divorced or your spouse passed away, or you are currently married. It does not matter. You are still to have an individual relationship with God. Each of the three possibilities I just stated offer its own unique challenges are challenged to have having the optimum relationship with God. Remember, you must be willing to forsake all other relationships or possessions to give God the relationship he wants you with you. But don't worry. Normally, he will not require you to leave your spouse, but you must have the attitude that if he called you to do that, you would be willing. It's an attitude of the heart, and God wants you to have a heart after him. Jesus required this of those who wanted to follow him. But he never required anyone to leave a spouse, thank God. The same would go for leaving any relative like your mom or dad. There is absolutely no one to have priority over God in your life. No one. No other gods and no one who could qualify as an idol, including yourself. All episodes in our podcast up to this point have helped you prepare yourself for your relationship with God. We have given you the tools you need to renew your mind, Bring your thoughts and behavior in line with the Word of God. Check out uh, episode number three. It's called Cognitive Dissonance. We also taught you to deal with the unhealthy behaviors from your sinful lifestyle, our traumatic past. Learning how to control your DNA by controlling your perception of the environment by choosing to perceive a positive or negative environment. Check out episodes four and five, The Biology of Belief. 
The list goes on. Science has and is proving the validity of the Word of God. God would not require you to do something or make changes that were impossible. There is hope. For the single individual, your relationship with God must improve and be on a healthy and stable trajectory before you enter a serious romantic relationship with another human. And moral courtship as we move into the next relationship. You need to make your relationship with God a way of life, not a hobby. God first, then godly habits will develop, and a godly lifestyle being lived out will follow. There should be no active, deep emotional problems to take into a serious relationship with another. All major issues and sins need to be dealt with, and your knowledge should continually be growing. For those of you who are married, your marriage should first reflect your lifestyle and commitment with the Lord. A lifestyle, not a hobby. Hopefully you and your spouse are making the commitment to deepen your relationship with God together. This could be a benefit to being married. The two of you can offer the support and insight the other needs, as well as the encouragement and support needed. But it will be an obstacle if you are the only one in the marriage making the changes and the spouse is resisting the change. It can be done, but it will present many more challenges than if the two of you are committed to becoming serious disciples of Jesus together. Your goal as individuals is to become as much like Jesus as humanly possible, to put on the divine nature and take off the sin nature. It is a daily taking up of your cross, daily dying to yourself and feeding the new man or woman that you are. How do you measure the success towards that goal? You measure by the progress that you make towards putting on that divine nature. It occurs little by little, day by day, sometimes one step forward and two steps back. But setbacks are good when you get back up and continue to move forward. Setbacks help point out weaknesses and allow us to put more effort into whatever it is that we are struggling with. At the transcendent goal, that goal whose completion can only be measured after you make it to heaven, if that transcendent goal doesn't change and you never give up, it will work toward your good. For those of you that like to set goals and then work toward them, then you can understand the concept of having a transcendent goal. An example is trying to be as much like Jesus as possible or as humanly possible. You will only know if you completed this after you die. But having that transcendent goal will allow you to have shorter-term goals that you can reach on your path toward that transcendent goal. Once you establish where you are today, we call that the here, then you can have a plan that will move you towards that transcendent goal. If you like this type of plan, email me and I will let you know how to get the resources that will explain the process more fully. Peter has given us some attributes to work towards and to which we can judge our progress and success. In 2 Peter 1, 4 through 11, it says, For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, 
and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is a blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. The bottom line is this. You cannot continue to live in sin if you want to become like Jesus, if you want to please God, if you want to live an abundant life here on earth, and if you want the riches and rewards that could be available to you in heaven. In Romans 6, Paul shows us that living in sin and living in the flesh as a believer brings us into slavery to sin. That is why you hear stories of people you thought were strong Christians that struggle with sinful ways. We became addicted to the sway of sin and our sinful appetites. It brings us death as we are separated from all that is good. In Romans six twenty one and 22, Paul, speaking to believers, said, What benefit do you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Death here means negative consequences for bad behavior. But now that you have been set free from sin through salvation and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. We're no longer slaves to sin. Keep this in mind and then you will know where you your true here is where you are in your journey to being like Jesus. And then you can begin your quest for your transcendent there. We have been set free from sin. Should we continue to live as before when we have been baptized into Christ's death and buried with him? Never. This is the sanctification portion of your life. Put off the old nature and put on Christ. Time to change. You can't just believe and leave it at that. Remember, By habitually doing good works, we can change the desires and temperaments, the dispositions of our soul. When you humble yourself, do things for the advancement of God's purpose, it will change you. In other words, what we habitually do externally will change us internally. Remember our teaching on cognitive dissonance. As a devout man of God, William Law said, If our common life is not a common course of humility, self-denial, renunciation of the world, poverty of spirit, and heavenly affection, we do not live the lives of Christians. He also said, now if you will stop here and ask yourself why you are not as pious or not as Christ-like as the primitive Christians, New Testament era Christians, if you're not as pious as they were, your own heart will tell you that it is neither through ignorance nor inability, but purely because you never thoroughly intended it. In other words, you never really wanted to go that far with it. But if you're listening to this podcast, I have a feeling you do want to be a serious Christian. 
Thank you for listening to our podcast. Remember, we release a new podcast the first Tuesday of each month. Next month, we will begin our series about the second relationship that God created, the couple. Join us next time on God's Love Language with Joe and Lo. Until then, may God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And may you become as much like Jesus as humanly possible. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. If you would like more information about our podcast and subject matter, or if you would like to leave a comment, go to GodsLoveLanguage.com. Or you may email Joe at jnlo at godslovelanguage.com. 